Whatever it is you are out there, thank you. Thank you as I'm speaking to you. You, yes, you. Look in the rearview mirror, you. Welcome back to another episode of Homesteads and Homeschools. This is episode number 50, which means you can find the show notes at homesteadsandhomeschools.com slash 050. My guest today is Mr. James Davis. James used to host a, a podcast called One Free Family with his wife uh, over on the Pax Libertas network. Uh, they no longer update it. It sounds like they don't have very many plans to do that, but uh, who knows? Who knows? You know, they always they always come back to things. Always come back to things. So maybe maybe in a year or two, um, they'll, they'll find some more more time to to add to it. I don't know. But anyway, as you will hear in this interview, um, as James said, the, the information on that podcast is evergreen. So uh, if you are not familiar with it, go go listen to their archive because it is, it is worth a listen. Anyway, I brought James on today to talk about peaceful parenting, what that is, and uh, why why we should consider it as parents. And even if you're not a parent, um, if you're just kind of a homeschooler and you're educating somebody else's kids, you work at a at a co-op or something, um, some things to consider. If you are a, uh, a homesteader and you got uh, some kids coming over to help help out as a part of a project. Some things to consider in there too. Um, it's it's really it's. I think it's a great way to kind of look at every interaction we have um, as as individuals, even even adults. Uh, but I will I will quit talking for now, and I'll, I'll ramble on some more probably later. But uh, for now, I'm done. And uh, let's go let's go sow those liberty seeds with Mr. James Davis. today is Mr. James Davis. Uh, James had a podcast for a little while. Um, I don't know, it, it may return, it may return. I know how those things go. You know, it uh, comes and goes, but um, he's a, a homeschooling dad. Um, and yeah, we we're, he's come on today to uh, to talk about all that stuff and we'll, we'll get into it. So James, thank you for, uh, for coming on. I know schedules are busy and especially this time of year. So uh, I do appreciate it. Yeah, my pleasure, man. I'm always happy to come talk about homeschooling and our little adventures and all the stuff we're thinking about and trying. <laughs> all right. So you're uh, you were an educator in the past. Is that, am I right, or is that your your wife that I'm thinking of? Maybe. Yeah. So both of us actually were certified to become teachers. She wound up teaching in a private school for a few years. I think four or five years. And I did the student teaching and never actually followed through with uh, in person school stuff. Uh, but since then, we've also run summer camps, which isn't academically educational, but it's educational in terms of life skills, I suppose. And then uh, more recently, I'm also helping out with kids that don't go to school, primarily teenagers, and providing them educational alternatives as well. So I always have my hand in education, although not always in the classic way. Yeah. Well, it's uh, I think it's probably better that way. You know? um, so I'm kind of curious with the uh, the older students that you're you're working with are they are they like dropouts? Is it homeschool kids that have reached a, a higher level, or 
what the what's that look like? It's a mix, actually. And, you know, dropouts, I think, means something different these days than it did yeah. when we were teenagers. You know, like when I was a teenager, your option was leave school and go work at the supermarket or get no job at all and get kicked out of your house, stuff like that. I think these days parents are awakening to all the different options that are out there and available. And uh, for a while, I was helping out at this place called Big Fish Learning Cooperative, which was a liberated learner center. And since then, I've launched my own thing. Uh, it's called Young Maker Studio, and it's teenagers that come and hang out on Fridays. Uh, you know, they have other things going on during the week, and yeah, they come and we do all sorts of stuff. We, you know, one kid's building an arcade machine from scratch right now. Uh, I'm helping a couple of older kids on GED and college type prep. Uh, other kids are, you know, doing artwork. They're planning a gaming convention for the spring. It's going to be called Blue Light Gaming Convention if you're in the Dover, New Hampshire area. And yeah, so like just little things like that. You know, they're, they're constantly getting up to all these little projects and just spending time with one another as well. Nice, nice. There's so much value in that, I think, you know, kind of learning that that hands-on stuff that uh, you don't necessarily get in a in a school setting, in a traditional school setting. So it's, uh, it's good to hear. I, I'm not up that way, but uh, I'm sure some people are and should be interested in checking that out. Yeah, thanks. So uh, you're so you you guys were involved in in education. Um, how long were you guys kind of in in that field before you guys had kids? Was this? Yeah, my wife and I met working at summer camp in the late '90s, and we were always worked in and around children. You know, mostly or the field of working with children. Uh, we worked at camp for a while. And then I, you know, we would help out at after school programs. My wife and I, my wife taught for a while. And then we had our first son in 2010. So it was 11 years solid of working with kids in a pretty traditional capacity, I would say, uh, before we had our own kid. And then that kind of turned everything on its head. So when your, when your son was born, then were you guys on the, the homeschool wagon? Were you still kind of thinking that, uh, you know, traditional school he'll be off to kindergarten in, in five years or yeah pretty much I mean we my wife was still teaching at the time we had I remember one long discussion about public school versus private school and it really wasn't until my wife brought this video home from her continuing education at the private school she was at it was Ken Robinson's you know I guess now famous uh, RSA animate video called geez, changing the educational paradigm or schools kill creativity or something along those lines. But he, he put that video out and we watched it and it sparked something in us. And we were sort of like, oh yeah, we should find a school that kind of meets these criteria, you know, stuff that nurtures and embraces creativity rather than quells it. Something where kids can kind of pursue the things that are interesting to them. Like all these alarm bells went off for us. And our first instinct was there has to be a school out there that will provide this. And we were in central New Jersey at the time. And uh, without our knowledge, actually, there were some schools launching at the time there that did sort of try to address those issues, but nothing was even remotely close to our satisfaction then. And so, you know, we looked around at things like Sudbury schools, other free schools, and any of them were going to require us to relocate. And so while we were already in the sort of relocation mindset, we also had the discussion around, well, what if we just took this into our own hands, you know, and that once we once that idea, once we gave ourselves permission to think that way and we started to explore different resources, we thought, wow, yeah, this could really be, this could really be the answer for our family. And so uh, we found a, a summer camp that was willing to hire me 
uh, to let me sort of experiment with working with kids in this way, but also would provide us, you know, 800 acres and uh, pay for our housing and so on. And we could kind of raise our kids. You know, I know you talk a lot about homesteading, uh, but that was very appealing to us as well. You know, we had animals and a, uh, I think one acre organic garden slash farm thing that we launched. And uh, we were very much into, hey, why don't we just live out our lives, teach our kids and try to become more self-reliant. Good deal. Good deal. So did your son ever go to kindergarten or was, did you guys make that decision before you even got there? No, none of our kids have ever been to school other than for, you know, basketball practice or something like that. But none of them has ever signed up for a class. Now, do you guys use any sort of curriculum? Are you more on the the unschool side of things or? I guess, I mean, we have tapped into resources in the past, but it's all self-directed on our kids end in our house. So, you know, our kids aren't compelled to learn about anything that is interesting for them at the time. Uh, We're certainly very active and present in their lives. And when we see the opportunity to point out a tool or a resource that might help them accomplish their goals better, we certainly try to equip those. Uh, with or equip them with that and you know sometimes they say yes and sometimes they don't sometimes they say <laughs> yes immediately sometimes they say yes a year from then uh, but yeah it's it's mostly a process of paying close attention to them and following their lead yeah it's uh it is kind of it's interesting interesting how that uh pans out sometimes you know that uh you'll offer them something and they they won't want to touch it but then six months down the road they're they're all about it and uh it's kids are are unique like that you know i think it's uh kind of cool but so you um i don't know you have all your your kids home was that something that uh your wife was going to end up doing was she was was a plan for her to stop teaching and, and teach the kids or was it something that you guys were hoping to do kind of in tandem or how did that play out I think as we looked at our family's values, the one thing we knew was that we wanted our kids to have access to one of their parents at home if that's what they wanted to do. So, you know, we don't prevent our kids from going to school either. Uh, It's just one of the many options available to them. And they don't choose it uh, for, I guess, reasons you can ask them. But yeah, it wasn't like she was always going to do it. Now, for the first four years, that is how it played out. Because the way we were able to facilitate it was me taking that full-time job at camp. But we left that camp in 2014. And since then, We've been on sort of a work share where, you know, we each work, I mean, depending on how the opportunities are shaking out, um, you know, I think for the first three years I was working maybe 70% of our working time right now, it's more like I'm working 40% of our work time and she works about 60%. So it's really always in flux based on what opportunities are available and how it facilitates the, the important things to us, which is making sure our kids can choose their own path. Nice. Nice. So, um, is moving moving along um the the podcast you guys had was um one one free family uh over on uh the pax pax libertas thing i'm trying to trying to get roger to come on but uh oh really yeah yeah <laughs> i think is I he can... too busy for you he's big timing i can probably <laughs> put in a good word for you yeah i think he's it's just a matter of making uh making schedules work yeah, but yeah. uh um so yeah it's you guys were over there and uh you're your kind of your, your topic there, your your niche was peaceful parenting, right? I mean, that was, I suppose, yeah. So <laughs> we're talking about Roger anyway. Uh, Roger was, you know, really he's very good at the SEO thing and trying to drive traffic and eyeballs to, you know, the podcast that he promotes. And so I would say we talk about. I, I'm certainly interested in the ideas of peaceful parenting. Like I don't uh, want to be 
using not peace against my kids, I would say that our approach isn't boil. Like you can't really boil our approach down to that essence in its entirety. And so that's why we were sort of a new take on peaceful parenting because you know, peaceful pan- parenting is really a, it's a branded thing. You know, it's a book that was written called peaceful parents, happy kids or something like that. And you know, there's a whole really specific philosophy surrounding that. So yeah, I would say we talk about trying to figure out how we can be more, you know, intentional with our children and uh, treat them, you know, more like people and less like objects and things. And the first step to that, I think, is becoming peaceful with them. But it's actually, I think, there's an even heightened respect beyond that that we're, is what we're striving for. Yeah, I think that that's uh, so. What what is peaceful parenting then? If you had to to try to distill it down for for folks that didn't know, um, what what would you? How would you describe it? I think the the general approach to peaceful parenting is embodied by the idea that you want to help your children through life without, you know, physical force, emotional coercion. And, you know, it's, it's a more connection centered approach, I think, than the traditional paradigm. I think that unfortunately, a lot of the peaceful parenting materials that are out there stop a little bit short for me because I think inherent in any parenting model there's going to be some implicit assumptions. And so, you know, like one implicit assumption for many parents is this child must go to school, right? And if you start with the first principle that your child must go to school, and then you form your parenting philosophy around that, your parenting philosophy is going to look a lot differently than if you viewed that piece as negotiable as well. And I think if you... Because at that point, like I, I, for instance, with my children, I view eating as a non-negotiable, right? Mm-hmm. So if my kid went on a hunger <laughs> strike, I would do just about anything possible to ensure they were eating because I believe that eating is ne- necessary for life. A lot of people in the United States, and I suppose probably the whole world, view school as the same level of necessity. And I've seen parents make incredible sacrifices to their relationship, uh, to the kid's happiness and well-being to ensure that not only they attend school, but that they they perform to a certain level once they're there. And so that's why like, I, I would hesitate to call my, to lump myself in with peaceful parenting in mass, because I think peaceful parenting, like many philosophies also starts with that first assumption that, you know, ultimately a lot, cause I, I mean, I don't know how many schooled parents you talk to. I happen to it just based on the work that I've done, almost everything that kids and parents argue about that, that aren't homeschooled is school related, whether it's grades, attendance, waking up in the morning, you know, getting to extracurriculars, getting to the right college and so on. And uh, I think it's really hard to have a peaceful relationship with someone if you're constantly forcing them to do something they don't want to do. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, I, um, I can see how that would, would be. I, I've not talked to that many, um, you know, parents in the, the education realm of uh, traditional schooling. Um, not in a while anyway, but... Uh, yeah, what a world we live in, by the way. That was not something that would have been available to us 20 years ago, you know, where it was the... Like when I was first starting to think about this, I don't know, I guess 10 years ago now, it was very hard to find anyone to talk to about these approaches. So it's pretty neat how far it's all come in the last decade or so. Yeah, yeah. It's it's kind of interesting that you uh, kind of put it on a, on a spectrum almost, like, uh, you know, like there are certain things that you kind of like have to do, you know, like, like you're, you have to eat to some degree, right. Um, or it's, you got, you have to draw your line at at somewhere. And it's interesting that that assumption about school and how many people are sort of 
stuck in that mindset, you know, that this is, this is just what you do because this is what you have to do. And we, we don't, you know, evaluate the repercussions of all that and, and the fallout of, of what may come to, to do that. But absolutely. I think we all have our own lines too. Like, I think sometimes like, and I'll admit freely, right? Like there are times where I stop my kids from doing something that they want to do. Uh, like, you know, our neighbor's kids were playing on their roof a few months ago <laughs> and you know, it's like, what probably wouldn't be death if someone fell off the roof, but it's like a hospital visit was certainly in play. And I don't think it's likely that they would fall off. But as I looked at it, I thought, you know, I just don't think we need people playing on that roof uh, as a part of today. And yeah, I'm making the call and, you know, they were annoyed or they weren't even that annoyed because by and large, they know that whenever I prevent them from doing something, I take it pretty seriously, but they would have chosen to want to go up there on the roof with them. And, and I recognize that that's my line. And there's probably plenty of parents who, for whom that wouldn't be a line. Right. And so I think as we're sculpting our own parenting approaches, cause they're all going to be unique, right. As we're sculpting our own parenting approaches for me at the end of the day, I just want to know that I've looked intentionally at each piece, especially before I'm starting to say no, uh, I want to live my life with my kids with the idea that I'm going to start by saying yes to them and trying to connect them with their desires. And that if I'm ever going to become a barrier between them and their desires, that I'm going to take that decision really seriously. And my hope is that, yeah, like I can minimize those times where they look back when they're my age now and say, Hey, that was a really unnecessary restriction you placed in my life. I really want to minimize that a lot. And I want them to make it to age 37 as well. So I, uh, you know, it's a fine line. <laughs> kids are, kids are a tricky business. Yeah. It's, it's, um, it's really interesting what you said there. Just uh, you want to say yes or, or something, but to that effect, and it, like that's something I, I am constantly working on. You know, before before giving an answer, just taking a breath and actually like thinking about what it is that they just asked to do. You know, so many times, like the the first word out of my mouth is is no, you can't do that right now, or or no, I, I can't do that right now, and just the mindset that that immediately puts the situation in on, on both ends, you know, either I have to go back on, on what I just said, or, you know, this kid's upset because they don't understand because it doesn't, you know, it's just to actually think about what we're saying and what we're doing as parents sometimes. Um, it's really, it's can have huge, huge impacts makes, makes big difference. But when, um, when did you kind of, how did you get into the sort of mindset um when you had kids when you when you first had kids were you kind of like that were your parents kind of in tune with that that more of the the peaceful parenting side of things raising you or how did that come to be well i think like most people's parents who are you know in their 30s or older uh, my parents were doing their best with the information they had at the time it certainly wouldn't look anything like the way we're raising our kids now on a day to day level. But, you know, I always remember when I, I think I was in my twenties and I found the baby book that my mom had made for me. And I don't think I've ever told a story on the podcast, but one of the main things that she, like, it was like goals I have for my baby. Right. And all she wrote in that section was, I just want him to authentically be himself. And I think that intention always came through from my parents to us kids, like me and my two brothers, we all, lead very different lives from one another. I think we're all pretty much pursuing happiness the way it looks for us. You know, I'm leading my weird uh, sort of entrepreneurial life out here. I've got another but, uh, brother who's a Buddhist monk who is, you know, shoot all his moral possessions basically. And then another brother who's, you know, like a, a big time business consultant who runs a whole 
know, the West Coast branch of his firm and, you know, makes seven figure salary, right? And so we're all doing these very different things and we all love each other and get along. I will say that it didn't always feel that way when I was growing up. You know, I think again, and that's where you start on certain assumptions where it's all well and good to say, I hope my kid becomes whoever they want to be. But if there are a lot of, if there's a lot of infrastructure in place around your life, which prevents that, then it can come across as sort of a mixed message, right? And so I think for me and my kids, my goal is to really communicate that concept as clearly as possible. And well, again, I think my parents cared about that very much. I think the paradigm at the time was just restrictive enough that it just wasn't really possible. And so for me, my experience growing up was always sort of feeling like a square peg in a round hole, you know, always feeling a little bit on the outside. Like I could get good grades in school, but I wasn't intrinsically motivated to do so. It was mostly about avoiding the displeasure of disappointing people. I could, you know, succeed in the various endeavors that were put before me because they were the conventional things like playing an instrument or whatever else, or even working in summer camp. I was just kind of a mix of both things where I, I liked it and it was conventionally okay. But I, I was kind of sneaking around in the background, going really deep on things that weren't as popular. You know, like I, I played poker for a living for seven years after college and <laughs> that wasn't, uh, that wasn't as well received, right? Even yeah. It was something that was very important to me. So yeah, I was always treading this fine line between, hey, I can be whoever I want. And in the background, my inner voice telling me, and you really don't want to disappoint people. So I, uh, I don't want my kids to live, like there's some amount, I think that's probably healthy of like, hey, I shouldn't, uh, like I don't want to murder someone. That would be disappointing to, I don't know. Right, yeah. An example. Like there's some, some reason why it's okay to consider others. Let's put it that way. To consider others when you're making life decisions. But I didn't want that to be the whole reason my kids were making any decision. Yeah. Yeah. I think, and I think it kind of, you can almost boil it down to, you know, are my actions going to impact someone else in a, you know, physically negative way? You know, um, if I, if I, if I murder someone, like it's the, the fallout of that on, on their family, on their life, it's, you know, but then you go down to, to your grades, you know, and, I could bomb this test and it's not going to hurt anybody. And that's my choice. But at the same time, like you have that in the back of your head, I, I, I don't want to disappoint these people. I don't, you know, and so kind of making those lines, but I, I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's tricky though. Cause I, I, you know, I think the, the principles of non-aggression, let's say, or the idea that you don't want to harm others. I think that is a really great jumping off point. I would say that most parents feel more even a broader obligation to their kids than to not simply not harm them. And I think that that's where, you know, we've talked about this idea of parenting within the scope of being, you know, voluntarists or people who, you know, want all of our interactions in life to be voluntary with others and recognizing that it's going to be more of a spectrum with our kids. Like, you know, there's no such thing as the non-aggression principle with a baby and diapers <laughs> because they might really not want you to change that diaper. Right. But yeah, you just, you possess the wisdom to know that it's still a pretty darn good idea to change that diaper. And so, um, yeah, I think that's where things, yeah, it just gets tricky. And that's where, why parenting is just easy where you just don't get to you know, make whatever yeah. decision you want. And it's always good. Yeah. yeah I hear that a hundred percent. But, uh, so what is, what is, uh, what is discipline like for you guys with, with your older kids? How does that work? Do you guys grounding? Do you timeouts? Is it just you talk? I mean, how does how does that work? Because I know sometimes you know for us, 
you know, sometimes certain things work, sometimes other things don't work. Um, you know, we moved down south. Uh, we're, we're in Georgia now. Um, we grew up, I grew up from, from New England. Um, but, uh, you know, down, down here, the, the corporal punishment thing is fairly standard. You know, you you'd sign a waiver at the public school saying, you know, it's okay for the principal to do this. It's not okay for the principal to do this. Um, you know, so it's just this huge, just, different paradigm of, of discipline. Um, and you know, to, we tried it for a little while and it just, it didn't work. Um, you know, it, it did not work. Uh, and, and so that quickly ended, but I'm kind of curious how you guys work your, your discipline angle. It's a great question. So (laughs) for starters, the only thing that would really look like discipline, I would guess would be, when we, uh, I'm trying to think, because we don't, we don't do any pun. I mean, our kids have never been grounded. I've never said okay. like, you know, you're going to timeout. Um, we don't do any spanking or anything like that. So like in terms of conventional discipline, that just doesn't really happen. I will say that in our family, sometimes if you are not meeting the expectations of the family, or if you're creating an unsafe environment for other people in the family, then you might be removed from a situation or asked to remove yourself from a situation. And I have like physically picked a kid up and carried them somewhere else when they didn't want me to, uh, which probably felt a whole lot for like, lot like discipline to them. Uh, but it was mostly because like, you know, maybe they just kept it going after their brother or they were really frustrated at some disappointing thing in their life. And they were slinging, um, you know, slinging hard objects around the house or something like that. Right. So like sometimes things come up where you're like, yeah, this is not, good. We don't want to do this. And you're creating an unsafe situation for us and our property and everything else. And so uh, they will be removed until they can find a time to, basically it's up to them. It's like, well, you'll know when you're calmed down and you're ready to approach this conversation. And sometimes we will sort of require like, you know, Hey, we need to have a meeting of the minds about this before we reintroduce you into the, the group here, because that was a little bit of a scary situation for everyone. I will say that that probably only happens, like I can't remember offhand the last time that happened. So I would guess five times total maybe in the 10 years we've been parenting. But um, yeah, and because I think for the most part, like, I I don't know. I mean, our kids are aware (laughs) that ideas like grounding exist. And I think Mm -hmm. for the most part, they're pretty grateful that our approach doesn't look like that. And so they're often willing to work through things. Um, the biggest, I guess, loss, if you want to call it that, like I can remember working with kids in a more conventional way in my early twenties and so on. It's like when there's no threat of punishment, then it's more work for you, right? Because you can't just say, if you do this thing that I'm going to create this bad thing in your life. Um, like when you take that tool away, you have to be a little bit more creative with discussions and negotiations and that kind of thing. But, um, yeah, for sure. So is that what you guys do for the most part then kind of negotiate to some degree or how to, what do you use as that? I don't know. I don't want to say carrot, but that sort of, you know, tool to elicit better behavior or, or correct. I don't want to say correct behavior, but safer, safer behavior. Yeah. So I think kids, as soon as they're able to start comprehending logic that you can sort of help them to understand that like you can help them reflect on how 
they would feel if someone else were acting the same way they are, you know? So in the case of right. a kid throwing uh, hard objects around the house, you know, you can point out, Hey, do you remember how scared you were when you got hit in the head with a hard object three weeks ago or whatever? Or do you remember how, how unpleasant it was when your brother was screaming at the top of his lungs when we were all trying to just sit in the car driving wherever. And even if they're angry, like kids aren't always ready to hear that. Right. Uh, they're not always going to be like, yes, father, I understand what you're saying and I'll, I'll change my behavior, but it's more about planting those seeds of, you know, cooperative family actions and continued reminders over time. Cause I think, you know, what the science has sort of shown on trying to create incentives for your kids, um, like in sort of a manufactured way where you say, if you do this, you know, if you yell in the car, it's five minutes time out when we get home, then that can actually be pretty effective for curbing yelling in the car, but it's not exactly effective in helping the child to understand why it's not okay to yell in the car. And I think that really resonates with me where, you know, I can remember being punished or getting in trouble when I was a kid, but oftentimes when you're being punished, the th main thing you're reflecting on is how crappy it feels to be punished or how resentful you are that you got punished and the other party in the argument didn't get punished enough, or maybe that they didn't get punished more because they started the fight or whatever it is. And so you really start litigating like, Ooh, what was the fair punishment for this crime? Did I receive it? Did I get it? <laughs> and you're focusing on everything except what were the actual consequences of my actions? You know, we had a situation in the house the other day where one of my sons was playing a, a video game and got very angry at the result I uh, lost or whatever. And, uh, moved forward and backwards in his chair really fast and kind of slammed his hand on the table. And he knocked his little brother over and little brother's crying and knocked over his bowl of chips. It was a really sad situation. And we didn't need to send him to timeout because he felt terrible about it, right? Like he's a human. He has empathetic feelings for others. And seeing that that mess on the floor and the crying brother, like he stopped playing his game and checked in. And when I came in, I, I certainly pointed out like, yeah, we've talked about the moving fast in the chair before. And like this, you've, you've always wondered what could happen. Like, this is the type of thing that can happen. And he was like, oh, I see. So even though I had mentioned it 20 times in the past, um, seeing the actual effects of it, uh, I think that that time, I think it will stick now, I guess is my, my point. Um, yeah. It, it uh, teaching kids empathy, I think is like, it's, if you could do anything for your children, I, I think it's that being able to, you know, that, that cliche walking in, in someone else's shoes, um, you know, and that's, that's one thing I remember from, from childhood, you know, being able to kind of moderate my behavior because I, you know, it's someone else, if this was someone else, they, they, they wouldn't like it, you know, they're, they're not going to like that. Um, and so it's, it's always a struggle, I, I guess, with, with our kids sometimes our, our oldest one is, uh, fairly strong willed and he would have been happy being an only child. So, uh, <laughs> you know, but we're, we're working. Yeah. Well, I think the other thing about punishments that I've observed too, is that like, especially, I think I learned this most when I was working in camps and sometimes we would work with kids from really tough environments, you know, like um, maybe they've been abused in the past, or maybe they're in a single parent household in a really tough city or something like that. And at, that, at the camp I grew up, we had all manner of punishments, right? I mean, not like terrible ones, but like certainly removed from the group or you'll be sent home or I'm going to call your parents and tell them how naughty you've been. And for like the quote unquote good kids or whatever, like that for the most part seemed to provide enough incentive to change behavior. But eventually you will reach a point with a child where they say, I don't care about your stupid punishment, you know, like, cool, go ahead. 
to, you know, spank me, hit me, throw, do whatever. Like, you don't know what I've been through. You don't know. And so you're putting them in a, in a position where they're making an economic decision. It's like, uh, will the rewards of this behavior outweigh the potential risks of getting caught? And whether they would put it that way or not, I've seen kids do that math. And on the flip side, what we're trying to do is say like, okay, instead of having them try to calculate like, it's kind of sociopathically, <laughs> like, can I get away with this? And if I do, it's more like helping, you know, a quote that I think Taylor brought to me one time was, uh, their, your voice becomes their inner voice. And I don't want my kids to not murder others because they're worried about going to jail. I want them to not do it because they realize it's wrong. Right. And I think that's, it's the long road and it takes much longer to instill a different, you know, ethical codex in your child than it does to um, change behavior today. Um, Cause you can escalate punishments far enough where you can change anyone's behavior today. Right. I mean, um, you can threaten enough and take away enough or offer a bigger enough reward and you can change human behavior, but you can't really change uh, the, the person that's in there that way. I don't think. No, I, I think you're, you're, you're right on that for sure. Um, you know, it's like, go back to what you said about, you know, the kid after you've been disciplined, um, it's hard for, for kids, I think to, I want to say accept blame, but to sometimes recognize that what I did was wrong. So they're going to blame everybody else. They're going to blame the person that, that disciplined them. They're going to blame the stupid rules and they're not necessarily making that connection of, of what I did was harmful for reasons X, Y, Z. It's just, I'm here because so-and-so doesn't like me or, you know. Um, yeah. And I, and I think kids for the most part will like, just think about the people, you know, in adulthood, you know, they don't really run around hitting people. They don't generally scream in cars or on buses, you know, outside of extreme outliers. And so I think the other sort of uh, trick we can play on ourselves as parents, especially people that are generally good at stuff in life is we can play a trick and think that it's actually us that, you know, is, is the only thing standing between our child and becoming a good person someday or, or not hitting or not biting or whatever. And it's like, no, you know, 18 year olds just don't bite. That's just not <laughs> something they do. And so, yeah, we could have punishments for a biting two year old, but like they're going to stop biting eventually anyway. So what are we really, what am I gaining from this? And that's where I think, like, I wouldn't exclude the idea of punishments altogether because, you know, it's, you always, speaking in absolutes is a good way to make yourself look silly eventually. But I think that for the most part, you know, outside of seriously dangerous behavior where it's like not life or death, but like serious injury uh, away from like, this needs to stop now. Now uh, this is an emergency. I think outside of that, you know, punishments are, are oftentimes a rain dance. It's like, yeah, I can do this. And then the behavior goes away. See, it was because of what I did. It's like, nah, not necessarily. <laughs> you know, like, like it could have just been, the fact that the whole world is sending them signals. They never see anyone hitting anyone else in public. They never see anyone biting or scratching or, you know, yelling swear words in public. And so um, they just adapt to that because that's what humans do. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, a lot to that, you know, the, the sort of implicit societal rules that, that you live in, that you get to witness and take in when you just go to the grocery store or wherever, you know, right. Right. They do. They, they learn from that, but all right. Well, I, uh, I don't know. I, I appreciate your time. Um, what was, what was the probably, what do you think was the hardest part, um, or trying to, uh, employ this sort of method or this ideology or this, uh, lifestyle? What's been the most difficult thing you think? 
I think the most difficult challenge is feeling as though, well, so it's not something I struggle with as much anymore, but I think the biggest challenge is that when you're parenting your kids and you're doing something other than the norm, you find yourself having to explain yourself pretty often. And for me, I, I don't mind that so much because like I said, you know, when you play poker for a living or, you know, go move your whole family off to a camp in the middle of nowhere, uh, you find yourself in the position where you're explaining yourself pretty often anyway. So you get pretty practice at it. Or if you have unpopular political beliefs, you know, uh, this just sort of becomes your life. But when it comes to your kids, the stakes seem so much higher. Like it's one thing for me to argue about abstract political theory and say, hey, you know, like as a libertarian, in a libertarian society, we would do this and this and this, but it's still pretty far away. And the stakes to that you know, sort of intellectual debate are pretty low. When it comes to my own kids, though, and someone says, hey, don't you worry that you're maybe messing your kids up by doing this different thing? I just have to view that a lot more seriously. And so I think when you're doing something unusual, the biggest hurdle is that you have to construct your own reasons for doing this new thing. Because when you send your kids to school, nobody's going to ask you, why do you send your kids to school? Like, have you really <laughs> thought about what goes on there? And, you know, if this is the best fit for your family? And, um, how are they going to, you know, figure out this, that, and the other thing? And you, like nobody quizzes you and grills you on that. And so I'd say if you plan on doing something outside the norm, like just prepare to have pretty good answers, not just to the other people, but to yourself as well, because sometimes it's not going to feel easy. You know, like my kids, I try to treat them with as much love and care and respect as any parent that I'm aware of. And sometimes they yell at me and sometimes they act in ways that I find upsetting. And sometimes they hurt each other and sometimes they make immature decisions or break things in the house. Like it just happens to everybody. Right. And um, I need to also just remind myself that there's no magic wand I can wave. Like to, with parenting, there is no input output machine where I plug in these inputs and I get the perfect kid on the other end. It's, it's actually about just shifting around probabilities and knowing at the end of the day that I'm doing my best. Uh, so that's what I try to tell myself. Good deal. I, I like it. I like it. Um, so yeah, you got uh Anything else you want to share? Any anything coming up? Any projects you're working on? You know, the, the is the podcast done? You think? Well, yeah, we don't know. I mean, so right now you can still the feed is still there at One Free Family, the OneFreeFamily.com or One Free Family on any feeds you recognize, and the material there is evergreen. You know, it's it is just yeah. concepts, it's ideas that uh, we were thinking at the time. We abide by most of them still. And if you're ever curious, if you still do, uh, you can always email me James at dfsr.com. And, you can ask, hey, do you still do that kooky thing with your kids for Christmas or whatever? And I'll tell you yes or no, uh, based on if we still are. But uh, yeah, so that's all evergreen. I, I think that someday, like we've talked about uh, just checking in at some point in the near future, because our life has changed a lot since we set the podcast down uh, almost half a year ago now. But uh, but who knows? You know, We're always thinking and trying new things. And if we ever feel like we have something that we have to say that other people ought to hear, I'm sure we'll give it a shot again. But yeah, in the meantime, it's it's just focusing on our, you know, my wife and I are both uh, entrepreneurs, I guess. And we're always kind of cooking up new schemes to help our family continue to live the lifestyle we want. And right now that's the combination of that and our kids is pretty demanding. So, yeah. Uh, so yeah, podcast stuff is sort of on the back burner right now. Uh, I, I, I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> all right. Um, so yeah, I guess that's, uh, that's all. I, I appreciate your your time um and uh yeah thanks man appreciate it it was a lot of fun yeah no problem
All right, back. So that was that was a little bit about peaceful parenting. Um, I hope you guys found it at least uh, informative, if not anything else. And uh, I hope you take some of the things that were talked about and um, really think about them. I know sometimes it can seem this idea of, of peaceful parenting can seem kind of crazy, kind of out there, a little, a little too hippy dippy, little, little like uh, you know, just lazy parenting. And I know for some of us, uh, for me personally, um, it's hard. It's hard to do because of ways that I've just become so ingrained with. You know, it's it's easier to handle things in in a more authoritative manner, just because that's what I've been doing for the last decade. You know, and so it's it's kind of hard to switch switch gears. Uh, but I do think it's something that's worth considering. And, and you know, as James said, there's that continuum and really try to get yourself on there and make it work for you. Um, I think it is. I think it's something that will benefit our, our children. I think it is something that will, will benefit all of us just in our interactions with, with other adults. Um, I think it's worth, worth putting our time and effort into, to changes like that. Um, you know, make those changes with your kids and, and it will greatly affect your own life as well. Anyway, folks, that's that's all for that. If uh, if there's questions that um, you have that uh, didn't didn't get answered, shoot them my way. Uh, homesteads and homeschools at gmail dot com. You can uh, get at me on Twitter, uh, hs and hs pod. I'm trying to be more active on there, but uh, you can only do so much. You can only do so much, and I and I, I'm I'm kind of a boomer when it comes to technology, some of this stuff, and I just I can't figure it out. I don't know. There's lists on Twitter. There's I, I don't know. I don't know. I just have one thing on Twitter, one feed, everything goes through there. And, uh, I don't know. Interacting is, is insane. So someone, someone tell me how to Twitter because I cannot, I cannot, but, uh, yeah, go ahead and, and share the show on iTunes, share it on, on Facebook, um, get involved, get in the, the Facebook group, uh, homesteaded homeschool forum, or go check out the show notes, homesteads and homeschools.com slash zero five zero and click on the link over to the discord server and help, help, help that grow, help that conversation grow. And you can probably get a, a better say on, um, what happens with, with what guests I have on and, and what questions I ask them and, and shaping the show and pushing it in, in a direction that you would like to see. And you can only get there by going to the show notes, go to the show notes and click on that link to the discord server. Go, go now. Anyway, guys, I appreciate all you do out there. I hope you guys have a, a wonderful new year. I hope you have plans. I hope you have goals and you are able to accomplish most of them, if not all of them, you know, it's, it's always good to have goals, you know, some of those stretch goals we can't always hit, but, uh, they're good to have them there. Little, little carrots, little carrots. So get out there. sow those seeds of Liberty. We can all reap sheaves of freedom together. Dream.